Grace and Truth Church. Good morning. So happy to be here with you. Sure. Always happy to be here. Spirit, even even when I wasn't Amen. here in body, I was here with you in spirit. Love you all even more, if that's possible, than before. And uh, I've been with the Lord. Amen. I've been with the Lord, and Amen. He is good. Amen. And He's got good things in store. Amen. Amen. I just want to address. The beautiful gift you guys have unsolicited and uh, up to now I've uh, as God has shown me in pride have have uh, sort of not wanted that uh, sort of thing but I was wrong and uh, <clears throat> I just, I thought of something that Paul told the Philippian church, and I just want to read that to you, and I believe God's word and his plan regarding all things, even money, and, and the ministry. Paul told the Philippian church, he said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I'm in to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And then skip down to verse 17. This is Philippians chapter 4, by the way. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. And now you either believe the word or you don't. And I do. I believe it all. And I believe that to neglect, to uh, allow uh, a body of believers to be a blessing to the shepherd that God has placed in their lives is wrong. And I do not want to block that blessing. Amen. Because I pray Amen. every day for your financial and spiritual and increase in health and everything else regarding you and your families. And so... I just believe that you've shown it into your future and into your pastor, and it's all a good thing, and you can all expect hundredfold return for all the seeds you've sown. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. <laughs> I was thinking of a little joke. This, uh, this guy, he, he started having a lot of pretty rough symptoms in his body physically and it got so bad to the point where his wife took him to the doctor concerned about him and, and uh, they did every kind of test and everything you can and then the doctor told the man to he just wanted to talk to his wife and he sent him out and he, she goes well 
what is the doctor? He said, well, he said, listen, what, what you need to do is you need to just don't let any stress in his life. You need to tend to his every need. You need to baby him and, and uh, you know, pretty much just, just take care of him and give him three good meals a day and, and just, you know, just shower him with hugs and kisses and praise and all this sort of thing. And she said, well, thank you. And they left. And on the ride, ride home in the car, the man asked his wife, said, well, what did the doctor say? She said, honey, I, uh, I've got some bad news. It's terminal. <laughs> now, that's a funny joke, but we can tell that they weren't true believers because we know that we... We live a life trying to out-love and out-give each other. Amen. And I have to qualify that one especially because my wife has been super awesome uh, throughout all of this. And she has got a lot on her plate. And she has been taking great care of me. Uh, great care of me. Puts up with a lot because, you know, men are big babies. You know? I don't care how, how spiritual we are. You know, in the end, we're going to not stop before we say but God, but there's a lot of crybaby in there before that, you know. And uh, my wife's not big on that, you know, but she, she take care of me. And, uh, hey, she put my socks on this morning for me and she was already running behind to get to work on time. And uh, I mean, I could have done it, but I'd have been meeting y'all for lunch instead of church. Amen. So thank God for my wife. And she puts up with a lot of inappropriate, apparently, through, through all this ordeal. I, I, uh, I, uh, I came, uh, well, I'll tell you some of the stories as we go on. And uh, there's some wonderful things that took place. But after, after I was in my room, uh, after this surgery, I... Uh, there was a tremendous amount of pain for a time, and she says, "What's it? What's it? What's it? What are you feeling? What is? What's going on?" She wants to know. You know, you got to tell her where you at. And uh, and apparently, I said, <laughs> I said, I don't know, but if I was a woman, I'd say someone pulled my uterus out. <laughs> And she said, okay, got it. <laughs> and, and Russell Lorfing and Belinda, who are good friends of ours and now a viewer, say they're wanting to know how to pray. And she just texts him back, tremendous pain. <laughs> so thankfully she didn't share that, uh, that part. They said, okay, got it. Praying pray for pain. So that's, and that's how we do it. You, know, you, can, you don't have to, Jesus bore our pain on Amen. We don't. It'll try to come, and we don't have to put up with it. Anything he bore on that cross on our behalf, we don't have to tolerate. Amen. And uh, there's a little bit of warfare involved there, but uh, but it's true. Praise God. <laughs> oh, well, folks, are, are y'all are y'all ready in, in 2023 to prosper and, and to be a blessing in the midst of? Uh, of troubled times in the world? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. I know Russell has been 
uh, helping to prepare you. Thank God. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise from Russell. Yeah. I trust him completely, and I can't say that about too many people in the body of Christ. But I, when he said he was coming, I just felt relieved, and so God is faithful. Amen. 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 Yes. But you were born, folks, for such a time as this. Huh? That's what all the help, the acronym for this church is about, healing, power, love, and prosper. You're receiving all that help from God so you can in turn go and help others Amen. with that Amen. same help. Amen. Amen. We're going to learn, as we have been, we're going to continue to learn to appropriate all that God has for us, to drive out the spiritual darkness that tries continually to steal, kill, and destroy all the things that God has paid such a high price to provide us with, our peace, our love, our joy, our physical bodies and finances and relationships, our dominion or power and control in the earth. And as we learn to possess the land, as God has told us, to lay hold of and to protect, not to earn, but to lay hold of and protect the victory that Jesus has already provided and, and as you learned last week, we come to realize that so much depends upon not only our attitude and our outlook of expectancy from God, but the way we perceive and handle our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in our day-to-day -day lives and how we represent Him, huh? but also how we hear His voice and trust him and to lead and, and, and guide us through this life to, to our final destiny with our heavenly bridegroom. Amen. Amen. Jesus supersedes all other beings and revelations of God. Amen. Amen. And through him we have a better covenant with better promises and we can rest in the truth and power and provision and love of God in Christ. Not only that, but also the tremendous authority we have as children of God. Amen. But entering into that rest does not just happen automatically. Hmm? Even after being born again, we have a place of rest in the Lord that we have to labor to enter into. We have to work at this. It's a relationship. We have to believe and understand what has taken place, what we are a part of, which will cause us then to act upon the things that we have come to believe and to know, or to act according to the teachings of the one we have come to believe. Amen. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.13, and since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. Out of the abundance of the mouth, heart, the mouth speaks. Amen. Amen. We also believe and therefore speak, he said. He was quoting Psalm 116.10. 
And I'm going to try to help us with this today, with us, with something from the old covenant that has always been dear to me. And I've treasured it in my heart. And I, I don't teach on it a lot because it's, it's, but I feel like God has given me, given me the ability to break it down in a way to make us all go, wow, that's cool. Okay? Because I don't want to just know something. I got it a long time ago and I've been meditating on this for a dozen years. And now it's mine. So there's revelation knowledge. And I, I feel like I can talk about it with you. And, and uh, you, some of you may already have a revelation of this, but I want to show you. And uh, anyway, it's going to be fun. Amen? Amen. So I want to talk to you about some... Uh, have, you ever, have you ever bought and sold property? Yes. All right. Well, there's always... There's always been that going on, okay? And uh, th that's always going to keep on going on. But in the Hebrew culture, it was just a little different. So we're going to talk about, about that. And we're going to use Jeremiah. Turn to Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 32. He's after Psalms and Proverbs when all the major prophets begin. What they refer to as the major prophets. He's after Isaiah. Jeremiah chapter 32. Put your ribbon there or whatever. And then turn over and, and, and put your put a mark or bookmark at Revelation chapter 5. Jeremiah 32 and Revelation chapter 5. And you know that I have a I don't like to say pet peeve. I don't like that word. If you as a Christian, if you have a peeve. Something that irritates you. You should not make a pet out of it. Amen. <laughs> but I, I sort of like the scratching on the chalkboard to be the way that the sovereignty of God is taught in, in a large part of the body of Christ. It makes, it, it, it makes, the way we're just, whatever happens is God and Kesara, Sarah, and it makes people, it makes Christians spiritually lazy and complacent. And it leaves them open for attacks of the enemy. And then they, they've been taught that that's God trying to teach them something. All lies. Okay? All right. So the sovereignty of God. Let's just look at that word. Sov, S-O-V-E, means supreme. And then the other half of that word is reign, R-E-I-G-N, which just means to have charge or authority over something. Amen? Control. Okay. In Genesis, we see that, that God gave stewardship of our charge of this world to us, right? But listen, folks, we have a part to play. I, I got a little ahead of myself. I just want to say we have a part to play in, in this relationship we've entered into, this salvation, don't we? If we don't know anything else from listening to, to me get up here and talk to you every week, you know that it's, 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 it goes both ways. He, he, he's done a great deal for us. But he, he, he went up and he sat down at the right hand of the Father and he turned over uh, the church to us, didn't he? Mm -hmm. And now we're his, his mouthpiece and his feet and his hands here in the earth, aren't we? He gave us authority. We have a part to play. He is powerful, all-powerful, all-knowing. He's omnipresent, omniscient. He knows all things. He's everywhere. But 
That's not how he operates the world. He gave this world to man, and I want to show you something to help you understand a little better. Two things. First, how awesome Jesus is, and secondly, how awesome and important you are. Amen. Amen. <laughs> In Genesis, like I said, we see that God gave stewardship or charge of this world to us. Speaking of, of us, I'm talking about the seed of mankind. That's how God looks at everything in seed form. If you don't understand sowing and reaping and that all that, Jesus said you won't understand the kingdom of God because it's all based on seed form. So when I say God either sees Adam or he sees Jesus when he looks at you because he's looking at that seed. He's either looking at fallen, corrupted man or he's looking at a renewed, regenerated uh, a believer and follower of Jesus Christ. You see what I'm saying? So he gave stewardship to people talking about Adam and Eve, and they gave it away. They gave away dominion or control of this earth to Satan when they agreed with him instead of agreeing with God's word. And their spirits died that day, and this is when I believe that our conscience was, came to life. So we're going to look in, in, in uh, Jeremiah chapter 32. And we're, going to, we're going to pull out the exegesis out of here. Um, that, that exo just means what you can pull out of something, and it's Jesus that we're after. It's all about Jesus. How many of you know that? It's all about Jesus, or it's about nothing. Okay, so I'm going to give you a little bit on the historical exegesis, and then we'll talk about the messianic. That means the Messiah, the, 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 the spiritual aspect of it, okay? So in Jeremiah chapter 32, starting in the sixth verse, Jeremiah was the prophet. I'll just give you a little bit of background at the time. And, Bab and, uh, and the Israelites were, they had not been, they had done some things, and I'll get into that later maybe, that they were being, they were about to be taken captivity uh, into Babylon for 70 years and away from the land that God had given them, Okay. And Jeremiah had been prophesying about this uh, to the dismay and the disgruntlement of the king, by the way. But in, in Jeremiah 6, something personal with Jeremiah came and happened. He said, Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me. Behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle. So Hanamel is his cousin, okay? And he came will come to you, this is the Lord telling him, he's going to come to you and say, buy my field, that is in Anathoth, for the right of redemption is, uh, by purchase is yours. Okay, so we're going to talk about two rights. This one's the right of redemption, by purchase is yours. Then Hanamel, my cousin, came to me in the court of the guard, in accordance with the word of the Lord. So he, he came to him, just like the Lord said, and said to me, buy my field, that is in Anatoth, in the land of Benjamin, for the right of possession, and some of your Bibles might say inheritance. How many of you says inheritance? Okay, that's good. Either way is fine. I like both, because it's the right of inheritance, and you could also say the right of possession. They're going to be interchangeable. And, and the right of redemption is yours. So there's two rights he's discussing here regarding the land purchases, and that's what the law of the land in Israel was, okay? Buy it for yourself. 
then, and, and so the Lord told him, and then someone came and said it to him, his cousin, just like the Lord has said. So then he knew that it was the word of the Lord, right? So there was confirmation for him. And so in verse 9, then, and I bought the field at Anathoth from Hanamel, my cousin, and weighed out the money for him, 17 shekels of silver. Now listen to this. I signed the deed, sealed it, got witnesses, and weighed the money on scales. Then I took the, deed, the sealed deed of purchase containing the terms and conditions and the open copy. Remember that. The term, it contained in the sealed, in this deed, it contained the terms and conditions and the open copy. There's another copy, an open copy. So there's two parts of this deed. There's one that's sealed and there's one that's open, okay? And I gave the deed of purchase to Baruch, the son of Neriah, son of Messiah, in the presence of Hanamel, my cousins, in the presence cousin, in the presence of wit of the witnesses who signed the deed of purchase, and in the presence of the Judeans who were sitting in the court of the guard, I charged Baruch in their presence, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, take these deeds both the sealed deed of purchase or inheritance and this open deed and put them in an earthenware vessel that they may last for a long time. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall again be bought in this land. So there right there is the historical meaning. So we talked about some things in there, the right of inheritance or the right of possession. We talked about signed deeds, purchase deeds, and then, and then so you got both deeds, the sealed deed and the open deed. And then Hanamel, that's Jeremiah's cousin, just kind of just picking out a few of these things to, to, to think upon. And, and Jeremiah had two rights according to his cousin who came to him, right? The right of inheritance is yours or the right of possession and the right of redemption is yours. So buy it from me. Okay. So here's the, here's the thing. Historically speaking, so the, the probably Jeremiah's father had died when he was a young boy, you see? And... And he was too young to earn a living or to go out and work this field or, or, and make money off of it, right? So his, his uncle had bought the field from Jeremiah's mother so that the family could have money to live on, right? Since Jeremiah had the right of redemption, he would have been the oldest and the firstborn son in, in his family to his mother, okay? Now, he was all grown up, and he could work this field and make money. So his cousin says, hey, buy it back from me. Because the right of inheritance or the right of possession is yours. So what that meant is when the uncle, when Jeremiah's uncle died, he was going to get it back anyway. But, because under the law, it never leaves, that land never leaves the original family that it belonged to. Then the right of redemption is yours, he told him. So that means you have the right any time to buy it back, right? And, and, and so like, he was making, his uncle was using it, making money off of it. 
And, and they, they were benefiting because they got the money for the sale of it, but they could get it back, you know, and, and, and Jeremiah could say, hey, I can work it now and, and I'll, I'll make money off of it. So either way, though, he was going to get it back. But it came early. He said, he said the right of redemption is yours. So, so he's the nearest firstborn male or the nearest kinsman, or you might hear me refer to a, a phrase in here a lot called kinsman redeemer. I refer, I refer to Jesus as our kinsman redeemer. And you, can, you, you, you might be familiar with that from, from Boaz in, in the book of Ruth, which is beautiful reading. So anyway, so the sealed deed belonged to the original family and that, the, that the land belonged to. And it always went back to the bloodline of that family when someone in possession of it died, okay? Easy enough? That's the sealed deed. And then the open deed is one that, that was, so they could open it, they could write on it and sign it over to somebody else who could use it, could give them the money they need, and they could use it for a time and make money off of that land, you see? And that's what had taken place. So that's what... They needed the money. Hanamel's dad bought it from Jeremiah's mother. They got the money. So that's what all that was. And what's all that mean to us? Okay? I'm getting there. Well, historically, like I said, they were the Israelites were being taken out of the land for 70 years to go into captivity in Babylon. And God was saying through Jeremiah, I want you, my prophet, to go, I want you to buy this land and I want you to go and show and say to my people that you will be brought back to this land. He was encouraging them. You will be someday brought back to this land and you will own, you will own land in this, in, this, in this land again. So that was an encouraging thing. But the messianic exegesis, the messianic meaning, the spiritual meaning for us as the church is a type, of, uh, a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. And I love this about the Old Testament because everything in the Old Testament is type and shadow. There's so much more, you know, even the things I'm going to share with you, everything down to the money, down to the names, everything has a meaning. But I just want to give you a taste of it today to make you hungry for the word and to see the amazing types and shadows that God was painting even before he revealed it to us through Jesus Christ in the real, okay? Messianically, what we can draw out of the type and shadow of Jesus, the firstborn son. Jeremiah here is Jesus, okay? In type and shadow, okay? A picture. Everything in the Old Testament is, is concealed in types and shadows. Jeremiah wasn't Jesus, but in here he's a type of Jesus to show us a picture of what was to come through the Messiah. You see what I'm saying? Okay, so Jesus, the firstborn son to God the Father, God gave the open deed, the one that can be transferred over to someone else, to Adam and Eve in the garden, didn't he? Yes. But listen to this. God, the Father, kept the seal. <coughs> okay. All right. To the earth. He's so wise. Yeah. I mean, are y'all with me so far? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, got it. Praise God. Wow. The open deed was lost by Adam and Eve when they gave it to Satan. Remember what Satan said when he was tempting Jesus or trying to tempt Jesus 
All this, all the kingdoms of the, the world have been given to me. Did, did God give them to him? No. Adam and Eve did. Or you could say, we did. Thinking of, speaking of mankind in general. Amen. So, but Jesus, here's the good thing. So, but Jesus as the firstborn son, so by right of inheritance or possession, it says it's all coming back to him anyway. But he decides to exercise his option and redeem it or buy it back. So Jesus bought back the authority and dominion of this world back 2,000 years ago through the cross of Calvary. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah, folks. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't he good? Now flip over where I told you in, 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 in Revelation chapter 5. And I want to show you this. I'm going to read you this whole bit. Starting at the first verse, Revelation chapter 5, about the scroll and the Lamb. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written and on the back, written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty or a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break the seals? And no one in heaven or, or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. This is John speaking, the revelator. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. That's Jesus, folks. Amen. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb. First, he's, I love this. He's depicted as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And now he's depicted as the lamb. See, God is a God of humility. And see, he's, he's depicted here as a lamb. And he stands and as though it has been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes. Don't let that scare you. What that's representing, seven is the number for God. Yeah. And the, the seven horns represents the power of God. And the seven eyes shows the, the all-knowing vision of God. Amen. Yeah which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls of, full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. That's you folks. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And they have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Glory Amen. to God. Hallelujah, <laughs> Jesus. So... Jesus had the right of inheritance or possession and the right of redemption. He redeemed us back to God and made us kings and priests. 
You are royalty, folks. Yes. So, God gave us, or mankind, the authority. We gave it back, or lost it, to Satan. Jesus, the firstborn son, came and got it back. And look at this. Flip back to Jeremiah 32 if you still got your spot there. If you don't have to, but I'll show you this. It gets, <laughs> it gets even better. Jeremiah 32 started at the 11th verse again. I read over this once, but it says, remember when Jeremiah said after he bought that he purchased it and did it all proper right in front of the notary and everything like we have to do? <laughs> he, he said, then I took the sealed deed of purchase containing the terms and conditions. Folks, look, containing the terms and conditions. Amen. Hello? Huh? Yeah. I believe that's your Bible, folks. Yeah. That's the scroll. Okay. Okay, containing the terms and conditions. Um, and the open copy, and I gave the deed of purchase to, he gave the per, deed of purchase to someone named Baruch, the son of Neriah, son of Messiah, in the presence of Hanamel, my cousins, in the presence of the witnesses who signed the deed of purchase, and in the presence of all the Judeans who were sitting in the court of the guard, I charged Baruch, in their presence saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, take these deeds, both the sealed deed and purchase or inheritance and this open deed and put them in an earthenware vessel that they may last for a long time. Listen, Baruch means blessed. Who are the blessed? We are. Yeah. You are the blessed. The world is the rest. Amen. <laughs> Listen, Baruch means blessed. I know this 10 years ago, I had my favorite kitty cat disappeared for a while and I was out putting up signs everywhere and whatever and, <laughs> and, uh, and the Lord brought him back, we believe from the dead. And uh, he just showed up one day. And uh, he wasn't the type to run off. He never left our yard in his life. But nevertheless, we just knew it was a supernatural thing. We prayed and we weren't going to have it any other way. And I, I had a sign of him hanging on the side of my filing cabinet in the garage. And after that, I just always called him Baruch. His name was Cowboy, but I called him Baruch because he was a blessed kitty. Blessed kitty. Amen. We, we love that cat. So we still have his sister, Monkey. But Baruch is, is blessed, and uh, his, his, he was the son of Neriah. Neriah, his father, was the lamp of God. That's what that means. And he was the son of Messiah, Jehovah, our refuge. <laughs> There's us and Jesus and the Father, huh? Isn't that beautiful? And he told him to place these deeds in an earthen vessel. He said, blessed, blessed one of God, blessed Barbara, blessed Joey, blessed Maddie, Hannah. <laughs> Sam, Pilar, every one of you, Norma, Randy, Vivian, 
all of you. I don't want to keep going. He said, take this and put it in this earthen vessel, this, this body, this, this body of yours. So it's going to last a long time. In other words, until, until he returns. Huh? And meanwhile, in this earthen vessel, we, can, we have been given this authority our part now is to, to do what he said. Didn't he in Matthew chapter 16, verses 18, 19, remember when he was talking to Peter? Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail over it. And I'll give you, I'll give you, the church, the authority, the keys to the kingdom of God. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Amen. Amen. You've been made kings. Kings rule and reign and have dominion and control and authority over things. You see? And kings and priests, they were separate in the old covenant. Remember Saul lost his kingdom because he stepped over and did something the priest was supposed to do. You couldn't do that. But now you're both king and priest. So you not only rule and reign and have dominion of the earth as kings, but you're also a priest. And the role of the priest is to pray. Amen. And we're going to be a praying church. Yes. We are word people and we are spirit people. huh? Amen. And we're going to pray and we're going to make a difference in this world. Yes, right. Because what's needed in times of great darkness are great beacons of light. And that's what you are, and that's what you're going to continue to be, and your light's going to shine brighter and brighter. Amen. Amen. So we reign and pray as byproducts of the relationship that we have uh, with the Father. It's our new nature. It's our true identity. Amen. That's who we are. When we're not doing those things, and we're not in agreement with the Word of God, that's when we're really being a hypocrite. Not when we try to be godly the world and your old friends and the people who want to drag you back drown all those madras crabs who don't want to let you climb out of the basket and they're going to keep saying oh you're a hypocrite I remember when I remember what you did you know who that is speaking through them I'm not saying they're of the devil but you know who the accuser of the brethren is that's Satan folks you are a new creation in Christ that old person is dead, the old is gone, the new has come. Amen. And now whenever you behave like Christ and you're becoming more and more like him, glory to glory, faith to faith, as you look into the righteous mirror of the word of God and agree with it and apply it to your lives, you're becoming more and more and more like your heavenly bridegroom. Amen. So instead of focusing on what people have done to you, start focusing on what God has done for you and in you by giving you his best, his firstborn son, Jesus Christ, your kinsman redeemer who purchased you for himself and brought you out of the dominion of darkness and translated you into the kingdom of light and love and liberty and peace and love and joy and health and prosperity. Amen? Amen. Because He loves you. He loves you. How am I doing on time? Are we doing all right? Let's 
The Lord says he loves you and he ain't finished with you yet. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. What can we talk? Okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. My wonderful friend and brother was here. And now y'all know him too. He was here before and you met him. And now you spent some time with him and you know he loves you. He loves us. He loves God and he loves God's people. He has no agenda other than just to be a blessing. And to, and to work his ministry until he hears that well done, good and faithful servant just, just like I do. Amen. 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 And hearing God's voice is imperative in the life of a believer. It is one of the underlying themes throughout the entire Bible. People who say that God doesn't talk to people today, I, I don't know what Bible they're reading. Because it's all in there. <laughs> Amen. How many of you went out and bought that new tablet? All right. All right. John 10 27, Jesus said, My sheep. How many have you how many of you are Jesus sheep? Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Everybody. Alright, then he said, You hear his voice. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Yes. That's right. Now that's pretty emphatic. There was no ambiguity there. God is always speaking, folks. Yes, He is. You know that? Mm -hmm. But we harden our hearts to His voice. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm trying to diagnose a problem so that we can get the help that we need from the Lord. Amen. Amen. Jeremiah, since we're talking about Jeremiah, did y'all get anything out of that? Yeah, yeah. Jeremiah, during all this time, that was chapter 32, but all the way back in chapter 10, Jeremiah had been asking God the Father, oh, why, God, why is, why is this happening? Why are, are your, your people, God, why are they being uh, going into judgment? Why, why are they being led away into captivity, away from the land and the blessings that you have given them? Jeremiah was seeking God about these things, and during that time, he answered his own question in a scripture that I quote here all the time, Jeremiah 10, 23. And Jeremiah, he's asking, he's asking, he's seeking, and then as if the Lord dropped it into his spirit, he just gave the answer. He says, I know, O oh God, it is not within man who walks to direct his own steps. They had been doing their own thing, folks. They had been doing their own thing. They had stopped listening to God. They had gotten away from following the voice of God. They weren't seeking God with their whole hearts. And because of that, they had opened up every door for the enemy. And now they were being led away into captivity. And we can glean a lot from that. Because every bad story, every negative thing God ever, the Holy Spirit ever wrote down, 
had written down about anyone in the Old Testament because God is love. He's not doing it just to shame them. He's doing it to give you an example of what happens when you do certain things so that it won't happen to you. You know, it's really better to learn from others' mistakes than to have to bounce off that hard bottom ourselves. Proverbs 3 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths or your steps. So we need to always exercise our free will and our wisdom to say and agree with God. Say, say, God, I, I need your guidance. This is a daily thing. This is our daily bread. This is our relationship with our Father in heaven. I don't want to do anything that isn't of you, Lord. I don't want to take a step that isn't you. Lead me into all blessings, Lord. Lead me into favor with you and with man. Let me be in the right place at the right time, Lord. Hallelujah. And help me to honor you with my life and to be a blessing. Make me a good steward of every gift and talent and possession that you put in my care. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't, don't give me anything that's going to destroy me. So half the time we need to be praying, Lord, prepare me. Yeah. Make me, make me into the, the man of God or the woman of God that you created me to be so that whatever you, when you start pouring it on, when the dam breaks and you just start flooding me with all your blessings, none of that is going to draw me further from you, Amen. only closer. Amen. Because I've already made up my mind it's all for you and from you and about you. Yeah. And yeah, I'm going to be blessed along the way too. Hallelujah, because I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm never going to tell you to turn it off. Sam, when he starts turning it on, don't, turn, don't ever say, that's enough, God. I've got plenty. Say, bring it on. Just make me a good steward of everything you put in my care, Lord. Make me honor you with everything you put in my care. And he will, he will help you all the way. Yes, he will. All the way. Amen. All the way. Hallelujah. It's essential to hear God's voice and to be obedient to his counsel. If not, then that will be the basis of all of our problems. Physically, financially, emotionally, relationally, fear, all the troubles of life. You're always just one word from God away from having your problem solved. He has all the answers, folks. Yes, he does. Let's look in John chapter 10, just the first five verses real quick. John chapter 10, 1 through 5. Hallelujah, Jesus. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. The Gospel of John. Jesus speaking. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. In other words, everybody who came before him, they were all charlatans. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, 
The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Stranger, danger, stranger, danger. <laughs> if it's not Jesus, don't believe it. Don't follow it. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. God's always speaking. But we just need to work on our hearing problems. There's a lot of ways that God is always trying to speak. In His love and His mercy and His grace, He's always trying to reach us. One of the ways that He speaks to us is through our conscience, which I told you I believe came alive when our spirit died in the garden. From because of sin. Well, God in His mercy and kindness gave us a conscience, a part of us that knows God and is sensitive to right and wrong. But the problem with the conscience, I'm not saying don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. All these are good, okay? The conscience is good, but it's not 100% reliable, is it? No. Why? If you read your Bible, it can be defiled, can't it? The, the conscience can be defiled or hardened to God, to the voice of God by the deceitfulness of sin and waxing cold over time. Huh? That's why someone who's living, entered into a life of homosexuality or, or adultery or things like this, and they just don't seem to think that there's anything wrong with it, like God gave them approval. Well, what they did is they stiff-armed him for so long when they were, first of all, thinking, it all started with a thought. They entertained a thought. And then after they thought about it for a while, they maybe, say, they sampled, they tested the waters. They can't, you, this body can't go anywhere you hadn't already been in your mind, you see. And the same with drugs and all these kind of things. So then they went ahead and tried it out, and he's still trying to reach them. Why aren't you trusting me? I got something better for you. Please, don't hurt yourself. This is not good. This is not me. Uh, 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 uh. Just turn the radio up a little louder, turn the TV on a little louder, find people who agree with me, who are doing the same bad thing as me, and that are saying it's okay. They even found a church over here that'll agree with us and say it's okay, okay? Next thing you know, they wax cold. They can't hear God about that anymore. So that conscience is defiled in that sense. Or you can have an overactive conscience. Where would that come from? I look around and I, I, I know where the, some of the backgrounds of some of the folks and some of us grew up in, uh, in our, some of y'all, I wasn't much churched, but I did have some, but some, some grew up in, in different types of religious uh, settings. We'll just leave it at that. Religion can give you an overactive conscience, make you feel guilty about everything. Huh? <laughs> going to hell anyway, I might as well just go enjoy myself, <laughs> you know, that, and so that's, that's a defiled conscience, and that can be fixed, you see, if your conscience, if your conscience is, is brought, bothering you, you just need to go to the, the maker, just like if a watch is broken, you don't try to take that thing apart and fix it, believe me, you'll never get it back together, <laughs> you take it to the maker, amen, yeah. all right, <laughs> the, the, the next thing, speaking to us and this is the best is God's word it's the most important 
because it's infallible. Yes. Mm -hmm. It is always right. And that's why we need to put it in. Huh? You need to eat the whole scroll. If you continue reading there in, in the book of Revelation, it'll say, eat the whole scroll. Yeah, get it in. Get it in because that way you have the filter of God's word to run everything through. And also make sure that you understand that blank page between Matthew and Malachi means a whole lot. So you can filter it through the lenses of grace and truth and mercy because of what Jesus has accomplished on our behalf. Amen? Amen. The Spirit now will always agree with the Word of God. So that's, that's a way to reconcile. Just like in our system of government, there's supposed to be, or there was when good and godly men uh, uh, received the, the message of how to found this country. I believe it was inspired by God. It, they, they knew then it's it only going to work if it's, run, if it's run by godly people. Yes. Um, but there's checks and balances. You see what I'm saying? And so that's, that's this word. Everything that you think you hear from God is always going to line up with this word. Yes. If it doesn't, I don't care if an angel comes and tells you or a minister or anybody else. Paul said, he said, let them be forever cursed. Let God be true and every man a liar. Yeah. This word was written down by men, but it was given to them by the Holy Spirit, the author of this Bible. who has a whole chapter in an autobiography in Genesis. I'll read to you sometime. And type in shadow. <laughs> the word, though, too. Oh, what are the challenges with the word? It has to be rightly divided, doesn't it? That's why you have to be a disciple, a student of the word, so that it can be rightly divided. Or people can take and use this word and make it say anything they want. They can make it very self-serving. And that right there tells you that it's not God. Anytime a preacher stands up in the pulpit and says that they have special permissions and rights and privileges, usually it's regarding money or sexuality. Um, excuse my bluntness, but uh, they're liars. So it has to be rightly divided. And then God speaks to us through what? Our born again spirit, doesn't he? It's not, the, people get confused on hearing God through their born again spirit. It takes practice. That's why it's wonderful what you're doing, this, this, this 30 day thing that you're doing, that Russell, I hope you being obedient through the instruction God gave through the man of God and do the 30 day thing. It's going to be wonderful if you do. Trust me. When he said it exponentially increased the way that you hear God and the confidence that you have he was right he was absolutely right but when we're listening to God and learning how to hear him through our born again spirit a lot of the problems that people have is that it's not an external voice and they're expecting God to speak to them in some some way that is from the outside that's why we miss it but we have a knowing, an unction from the Holy Ghost, you see, in our born-again spirits. It's just a knowing. And like when Russell said he speaks on a certain frequency, he does. He, but we have to learn to discern if it's our carnal self, 
our fleshy mind or our body or our spirit. That's why the word again is important. Because if you think you're hearing God in your spirit, you need to, it needs to line up with the word of God. If it's in contradiction to the word, then you need to go back to the Lord and, and, and get it worked out. But the, the, the word of God is what? Alive and active. It says in Hebrews 4.12, it's active and alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's even able to divide spirit and soul. Why is that such a big deal? Because it's hard for us to sometimes know if it's our flesh, our soulish realm, our decider in our lives. See, the soul is the decider in your life. The flesh just re responds to external stimuli. And the spirit, the born-again spirit, is always praising and in, in agreement with God. Yeah, you have the mind of Christ there. So that's why Russell's teaching is so powerful. God does speak in that certain frequency. Remember that. Remember Elijah when he went up on the mountain and he'd been running from that woman. <laughs> and then there was a, what, it was a fire, there was an earthquake, there was a great wind and all that. He didn't hear God in any of those, those boisterous um, things, but he heard him after that in a still small voice, didn't he? A gentle whisper. And that's, that's that frequency. When we get along alone with God and we begin to learn to recognize His voice and His promptings. And that's a sweet, sweet time. It reminds me of that song, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. There is a special time and a place for you with God. And if you, and if you make a point of making an appointment with God, with your tablet, with your Bible... And you go there, and he, he knows that you're there to meet him. You're going to find out. I've had people walk through my home in the past. I remember ministers, a couple of ministers walked through the, the house, and they were like, ooh, right, right there where I always am walking and pacing or sitting and, and praying in the Spirit and, and seeking the Lord. And they said, whoa, you know, you can feel it. The anointing is tangible. You know, I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that. <laughs> the, the next thing, and I'm almost done. I just wanted to just add a little bit to this since we had a little time and I'm enjoying being back with you. But the gifts of the Spirit, obviously, the, the Holy Spirit is in charge of the gifts of the Spirit. There's nine of them listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14. But primarily what I... Would, would, you, can, you can study all those and that's good, the ministry gifts and all that and, and God, the Holy Spirit uses whoever he wants those gifts are his to give out to whatever believer he wants to edify someone else or the body of Christ, amen, amen. so that's not yours to turn on and off at, at will, that's a gift of the Holy Spirit and he distributes it as he sees fit, when he sees fit through whom he sees fit there are those who walk in the office of a prophet and all that. We can all prophesy though. But all that aside, because that's a whole other series of messages, I want to just mention to you primarily praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. Yes. The gift of praying in tongues, it comes with your born again Spirit, when your baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you, 
it's uh, when you do, you're, the Bible says you're praying the mysteries of God. You're building yourself up in your most holy faith and in love when you pray in the Spirit. And when you pray in the Spirit, I would also encourage you to pray that your natural mind would not be unfruitful. Pray for interpretation. And it may not come right away. It may come as you're walking and going through your job and your day-to-day -day life. But you begin to just see wonderful things happen. You'll get wisdom. You'll get revelation. You'll get all kind of things will start falling into place and working out. Because when you pray, you are praying directly the will of God. And you are giving God praise. And sometimes he has you even praying for other things and people that you're not aware of. I know this to be a fact. My own experience... But you will see great results. That's a promise. Um, I see great revelation and giftings and ministries being birthed from within this ministry, from in this church, in the season that we are entering into. So Russell was right to, to catch that from the Lord. And I'm glad that he shared that with you because I've, I've known that for a time. I mean... You just don't know who you are. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. The willing, the available. Huh? And uh, some of you, and I'll just finish here. Because I said something. That's why I said that. But some of you see yourself... Or you maybe feel unfit uh, regarding all this. Maybe a little foolishness, you know, or, or not foolishness, because actually all of you, uh, all of you are you, you're loving and you care and you believe that there are people here that are going to uh, experience things like that. But you've ruled yourself out of it. Not because you don't want it, because you do, but you just to see yourself as unfit. Maybe it's somebody online, but nevertheless, I'm not looking for a show of hands, but I just want to encourage you by telling you something, because if you're saying, what about me, God, I don't really believe that you want to use me or that I'm ready, huh, or that I'm ready, yeah, he's saying, say, they don't think they're ready, they think they have to do something to be, let me tell you, you see, you see that bottle of oil right there, why do you think I set that there? I mean, after all, I'm obviously still healing up. How could I go heal somebody else? I, I must be brought it to ask somebody else to use it on somebody. Somebody that's perfectly healthy and whole. Only they could go get somebody healed, huh? That's a lie. It's not about me. It doesn't matter what my condition is. The truth is the truth. God loves his people and he'll use whatever vessel... Hey, he'll use a donkey or a chicken, he, he, whatever. Amen. Amen. So, if you're saying, what about me? Will God use, just for lack of a better term, will God use an unclean vessel? Answer is yes, absolutely he will. <clears throat> this ruffles a lot of religious feathers. But I'm telling you, I know this by the Spirit of God. Now, the hardest people to deal with for a minister 
are people who have two kinds of spirits. And we don't have a dual nature. Don't get, don't get it confused and misquote me on this. But there are people that are operating in two different kinds of spirits. One is the Holy Spirit and one is not. <laughs> now you say, well, the Holy Spirit is not going to be in the same place with an unclean spirit. I, listen, I don't care. Possession, oppression, or he's riding around on your shoulder, a demon. I don't care. I know that I know people that are good and saved, and they also demon oppressed, and they're hard to deal with. But that's not what I'm trying to talk about. Because see, you can't disciple a demon, and you can't cast out the flesh. So first, I got to determine which it is, and then they have to be willing. Anyway, that's going to help somebody at some point in your future. But trust me, you will have to. You will come across those situations. I'm still talking to those of you who are wondering if if this is for you, if God is willing to use you, if you're fit to be used by God. He is. You are. Some say, well, the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell in, in an unclean vessel. Have you ever heard anybody say that? You've never been around much of a Pentecostal sort of environment. But anyway, I've heard people say that God will not dwell in an unclean vessel. That's wrong. I need you to listen to me. i only got two more minutes here. But I want to tell you this because this is important. That is wrong. It's wrong thinking. Don't believe what they're saying. Because he does dwell in unclean vessels. That's the only kind he has available, as a matter of fact. If he didn't, if he didn't, listen, I want you to really think about this. If he didn't occupy unclean vessels, we would have no hope. Why? Some say the Holy Spirit will only come in when you're, you're completely pure. That's untrue. The Holy Spirit comes in to make us pure. Yes. Amen. You see that? Amen. Without Him, we cannot be purified. That's right. We need Him. Mm-hmm. It's like if a professor at a university comes into his class on the first day of the semester and says, now when you've passed all of your exams, I'll teach you. And they say, well, well, Professor, we need you to teach us so that we can pass our exams. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Remember David. I love David. And God loved David, didn't he? But David committed adultery and murder, folks. And then he prayed, God, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And he didn't. Out of his mercy and grace. So if anything defiles a man, adultery and murder do, right? But the Holy Spirit didn't leave David. Aren't you glad that he doesn't leave us every time that we do something wrong? Jesus himself in, in Mark chapter 7 Jesus listed 13 things that defile a man. One is pride, and one of them is foolishness. 
Hallelujah. Lord, how many spirit-filled Christians would be left if every time we were proud or foolish, the Holy Spirit left us? So the Holy Spirit does dwell in vessels that are unclean. Now, am I promoting sin or uncleanness? No. But as long as you live in this body, you are not going to be completely perfected in your soulish realm or in this body. Now, your spirit is perfect and healthy and holy, but your, your, your soul is still being saved. Your, your mind is still being renewed by the washing of the water of the Word. And you're going to continue to grow toward God and become more like Jesus until you see Him, and then it'll all be completed all at one time. You see God says, be ye perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. You're not going to be perfect in your soulish realm and in your body while you're here. But listen, you should be willing to be perfected along the way. So there should be a willingness to grow toward God all the way. Amen. Amen. Have you got anything out of this today? Yes. precious word. We thank you for all of your gifts. We thank you, Lord, that you are our kinsman redeemer and, and what you've done. We thank you for the authority and, and the ability that you've given us to, to walk through this life and to be helped by you to receive all of the healing for everywhere we heard, the empowerment through your promises because of your great love for us. Give us a revelation of that love because we can't give away what we don't have, Lord. And then help us to prosper in every way so that we can go and help others with the same help that we have received from you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.